Hello, I'm the podcaster without fear, Luke. I'm the uncanny Ryan. I am Kylie the Poodinger. I am the superior Caitlin. And I am the agitated Kyle. And, and we are most of the Nerd Dome Podcast. Every Friday, some variation of this group gets together and talks about all things nerd. The newest stuff in TV, movies, comics, video games, and more. So join us in the Dome every Friday to hear all things nerd. From a bunch of people who are probably a bit too into it. She speaks with the might of a hundred soldiers. Yeah. Yeah, I guess she does. This is the voice of our revolution. Think of the children. Okay, first, I'm not a princess. I'm the daughter of the chief. Same difference. No. If you wear a dress and you have an animal sidekick, you're a princess. Oh, won't somebody please think of the children? I think you can kiss your trade franchise goodbye. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Kiss Your Franchise Goodbye podcast. We are finishing up our series on the very lovely Dolly Parton with some unfortunately less than lovely <laughs> Well said. Uh, we're sorry, Dolly. Uh, I'm, I'm Andy Wilson, your host. Uh, you can go read what I'm writing on, on graphic policy and um, Bleeding Cool. Hey, upcoming, uh, Melissa, I'm going to write something about Ted Lasso Ooh. and how I don't much like it. Oh no! Spoiler alert! I do like it. It's it's just it's just I it's me being cynical. So it'll. That's easy to do when you watch Ted Lasso. I think there's like half the population like me that's like Ted Lasso is awesome, and the other half like, oh god, he's so annoying. You know what I mean? Like, but season two is less about him. It's not that he's annoying. It's that I. I see so much of myself in Ted Lasso and I I am I'm in a place personally where I'm just like that guy's just getting screwed over in the world like there's no like there's no way that Ted Lasso like actually endears that many people so um yeah so uh anyway go I'm going to I'm going to write something on that probably later this week for Bleeding Cool and we'll yeah have a spicy take on Ted. Do we get a? Do we get a? Make some comments in the once you publish it. Should we? Uh, is that what you want us to do? Is go in and be like Ted Lasso says you're the worst. Except he wouldn't because he's super optimistic. I mean, yeah. you could. Okay. So how many? How many episodes did you watch? I watched all of them. Even wow, season two. Yeah, yeah, I watched. You know what? Ted Lasso won me over though because they started talking about Nigerian oil spills. Oh yes, in the last episode. In the yeah. last episode, that's how he won me over. I'm like, this show, this is way too optimistic. This isn't how the world works. And then it's like going after the corporate sponsorships with the oh, with the Nigerian oil company. I'm like, oh, okay, this I like. Did they know how to flip your button? Wow, they did. That's awesome. <laughs> that is he won so me awesome. over. So, uh, anyway, but I, I, for, I forgot to introduce you. I started talking about myself. Um, uh, the the returning champion of the podcast, Melissa Martinez. Here with, with fiber internet connection. Yay! Oh, unstoppable. Yeah. And uh, the 
the James Woods of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Jared, did y'all have a fight before you came here? Because there's be fighting words, uh, man. Gotta, <laughs> you can be the Jeremy Jordan of the podcast. This week. Okay. JB I got, Flinders. I got your twenty dollars right here, Andy. Come get your twenty dollars. <laughs> oh no! You, you know what? You could be the Michael Madsen of the podcast if you want to be. I, I, like I don't know. The, I like the Jeremy Jordan. I would. I would do some. Uh, some Celine Dion or Spice Girls Broadway at the drop of a hat. So there you I go. can see Michael Madsen. I think I could see JB cutting a guy's ear off. Totally. <laughs> totally. Taking my bowling ball and going home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly that. Okay, so these two movies, uh, Straight Talk and Joyful Noise. Um, how about them? <laughs> I guess. Well, I guess we could uh, take them separately. Um, I, I, you know, I will say this: Straight Talk at least did what I think a Dolly movie should do, which is focus on Dolly. Yeah, right. I, I did not hate the parts that Dolly was in. Um, I just hated everything else um, around it. Like, we'll we'll talk about this a lot, but James Woods is the creepiest non-villain. In any movie I've ever seen, like yeah, I, I mean, I liked I liked some of the characters. I thought the the radio people were fun because the good parts of the movie were when everybody rallied around Dolly, right? right. So I don't I don't dislike Straight Talk as much as I disliked uh, Joyful Noise, um, but uh, anyway, I agree. I, I I I was interested in what you two thought because again, I I I, I couldn't get past. Um, you know, creepy woods. But, um, I, I didn't mind the rest of it. I thought it was Dolly being Dolly, and I can I can see why people, you know, watched it on Lifetime once a year or whatever. Yeah, I mean it, and and you got some good songs in there, and you got it was kind of it was kind of down home. It was kind of you know, um, I I liked it. Um, it, there's there's always a little bit of the underdog in in most of not all of Dolly's characters, but in in a lot of them, and uh, like I think she she plays that well, and I think that's part of what makes um, Joyful Noise harder is she is playing the the high status individual, yeah. um, and it's like she's kind of the one in charge, and she's sort of put out by that at, at certain points, and. While I don't think that's like what makes or break this, the movie, I I like Dolly as the as the underdog and, well, and, and scrappy. And, and Melissa, I'm interested because we talked about this I think over the past couple of our movies. I almost feel like Straight Talk was what an autobiography of Dolly Parton would probably have been, right? Mm -hmm. Like she, comes from making hard decisions, helping people out. Right, Help, helping the little people along the way and, and ending up being successful. And I, I, I seem to remember, Melissa, you talked a little bit about how Dolly's personality uh, makes some of these movies a little more meaningful. And I, I was really interested in what you thought of um, uh, Straight Talk. The problem I have with Straight Talk, um, <clears throat> it, well, besides James Woods. <laughs> Actually, James Woods is the biggest one because here, here's the thing, y'all. There are certain actors who and i can't tell you why there is no quantifiable reason no real explanation but there's just certain actors who give me the heebies 
And James Wood has always been one of them. And seeing him trying to play the romantic lead. Ooh, that's it. it. Just, you know, some people aren't meant to do that. Um, yep. Like Angelina Jolie, for example, and we've talked about her before on this right. podcast. Um, she did this terrible rom-com a few years back, and I forget the name of it. And I meant to look it up before we got here, and I just forgot. But um, it, she was terrible. I mean, really bad in this rom-com. Um, it, you would not believe that this was an Oscar-winning actress playing this role, you know? And I just think because that's not her strength. Comedy and especially rom-com, you, there's a certain personality that can pull those things off. And she didn't have it. And neither does James Woods. They need to stick to their lane. And normally I don't believe in that. Like you look at somebody like J uh, Jim Carrey, right? Everybody told him, stick to your lane, talk through your butt like Ace Ventura. But he defied that and made some fucking awesome movies right. as a result. I mean, uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind might be one of my favorite movies of all time. So you know what I'm saying? Yep. And so if he had listened to them and stayed in his lane, we wouldn't have the Truman Show. You know what I'm saying? These are great right. movies. But James Woods needs to stay in his lane. <laughs> no, he, is, he can't do the romantic lead. He's got no charm. He had no chemistry with Dolly. It's it, it it was just terrible. And he just and, but even beyond that, he's one of those actors who gives me the heebies. And and then now with him spouting off about his politics, calling like the January 6th insurrectionists patriots, that just makes it worse. But even before right. that, even before that, this has nothing to do with his politics. It's just him. It, you know, it, it he just gives me the heebies. I, I can't take it. And so it, yeah. it's hard to watch the whole movie. It definitely accentuates it, though, because that was my that was my thing. I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, James Woods. Oh, okay, whatever. And I'm sure it'll be at least interesting. And it's like, oh, yeah, it's interesting, but, like, not in a good way at you know, all. Him and Griffin Dunn could have switched roles and it would have been better. Yes. Because, because Griffin Dunn, he wasn't, like, a bad guy, but he wasn't a good guy either. You know, he was a little in that slippery slope area. Kind of a shyster, yeah. Yeah. And James Woods would have been so much better doing that. And then Griffin Dunn playing the protagonist, the, the romantic lead. So they were just miscast. Well, who do you put in this? I mean, well, that's the real question. But I mean, think about it. I, what I can't figure out, and, and sorry, and I'll jump in and then let's go back to your no, question. Sure. I can't believe that James Woods was in like three movies a year from 1988 to 1995. Right. And right. even then, you know, 97, 98, 99, he's in every single movie. Um, and and I, I, I got to be honest, I can't remember him being that big of a star. Right. Like he wasn't in any of the summer movies, uh, maybe the hard way. Right. Um, but he was he was legit in every single movie. And uh, other than Hercules, which I think is his best. Role. Hercules. Yeah. And um, and the 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 smarmy senator in contact, oh, I think good, he, oh, he plays that, that really well. Yeah, um, I mean that that hard way on the cop or or did you guys ever see Digstown with Lewis Gossett Jr. where he was the con man, right? That gets like those are the kind of characters you see him in the, mm -hmm. the, the shyster, like you said, the shyster, um, or or the the weird pseudo general in like general's daughter or some of the the 
military movies he did by the end. He was pretty good in Be Cool. I'm not going to lie. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, if you're, to your point, Andy, if you're 1992, who is your romantic lead other than Tom Selleck? Because he could be the romantic lead in any movie. Um, who do you who do you put in 92? Uh, Remington Steele? You put Pierce Brosnan? <laughs> um, uh, well... It, you you gotta do someone who's kind of Chicago. So I was, I was thinking, um, like Cost, Costner. Costner. <laughs> uh, no, I was, I was thinking like I mean uh, maybe like maybe like a Dan Aykroyd or even a Belushi, um, Jim Belushi, obviously not not John at this point, but. Um, like I, I don't know. Um, could you but, have pulled, but some, could you have pulled this with Robin Williams? Yeah, but would he do this movie? I think that's the problem. Is how do you find someone who, like, this is not a the the sheen has started to kind of come off Dolly's star at this point. Um, so I don't think you get anyone, you know, bigger than Tom Selleck. I think Tom Selleck is a good answer. Yeah. Um, I think so too. Yeah, uh, I'm trying to think who else you could you could put. Well, you've in got, here, but, I mean, yeah. you've got Keaton. You got. Ke- I mean, Keaton's just done Batman though. Yeah, like Patrick Swayze's big now. Richard yeah. Gere. Yeah, all those guys I think are too Michael big Dick to do Fox, this movie Probably right not now. the right type of role for him because you kind of need. <laughs> I almost said Nick Nolte. Can you imagine how how worth <laughs> it is? <that>? Uh, <laughs> Well, isn't um, is this the same year as Prince of Tides, or is that next year? When is Prince of Tides? I wanted to say it was the year after. Um, that was another awkward movie. Yeah. Let's see. Ninety. Oh no, it's the year before. Prince of Tides was ninety-one. Oh okay. Boy, that movie but, made a lot of money. For I don't know why it made like yeah. one hundred and fifty million. Ooh. Yeah. So. Because of Yentl. <laughs> because she but, stole the other half of the triangle, Andy. That's why it made all that. <laughs> that great uh, South Park. Episode. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. Maybe you bring a TV. You know, somebody who was big in TV, and because it was almost like a made-for-TV movie. That was kind of the feel. Well, and be, the director is best known as one of the main TV directors of Murphy Brown. So you know that wouldn't. Hey, you know you could. Bring in someone like a Tony Shalhoub, you know, like he he could he could kind of do well in here, kind of, you know. uh, What about like Jimmy Smith? I would love to see them go like like interracial with it, you know. And he can play anything; he's good. He can. Smith's oh, Smith's is so good. Has everybody seen In the Heights yet? Yes, I have not seen it yet, but I will watch it. He's so good. Mm -hmm. I just I love him in everything he does, but. He's he's very good in In the Heights, and I mean he's always good. So yeah. the the other question is how how not to be weird, but how old is Dolly in this? Is she in her forties? Is that the assumption that we're making? Um, I don't actually know. The see. only reason I'm asking is because you know what was big on TV in '92. You've got the the Melrose Place kind of right, but. I think that's too young for Dolly, right? If you bring some of the that age in, but mm-hmm. you do have the Tom Skerritt picket fences. 
Hmm. No, she can't be with Drum. Sorry, no. Or Paul Reiser <laughs> from Mad About You. <laughs> yeah, she would have been. She would have been in her early mid forties when they filmed this. Okay. So. You know. So yeah, you, you yeah. So you you maybe like you said maybe you bring. I mean Jimmy Smith and Tom Selleck are, I think probably the best age group and you know famous on tv good in movies kind of tie-in mm-hmm. uh, i don't see anything else i mean again picket fences was big um melrose place the heights you had a lot of those back then so i don't know if any of those would work yeah and stellar so, show which andy remembers fondly i do remember fondly and i was posting all about my uh my favorite um my favorite moment from my favorite sketch from the Ben Stiller show after Bob Odenkirk had his heart attack. Um, we have to always remember how he played Charlie Manson on that show. Oh yeah, in the where he it's like it's like the 1950s show Lassie, but instead it's Charles Manson. They're like, "What?" And he's like, "I got the eye of the tiger, and nobody can cage me." And like, "What?" Timmy's in the well. <laughs> I'm so insane. I'm sane again. <gasps> and he got bit by a snake and the poison's starting to work. Let's go. <laughs> like, it's, it's so good. Everyone go Google Manson, uh, the Bob Odenkirk sketch from the Ben Stiller show. It's, and Dweezil Zappa did the theme, which was always my favorite part of the Ben Stiller show. So, Also great. Anyway, um, yeah, so I, I don't know. I mean, I... I yeah, but I, I think there is, but not James Woods. James Woods, <laughs> I like how that's miscast we've all, in this. We've all we've all ended up with the fact that it should just never have been James Woods or Nick yeah. Nolte. Yeah, but but someone someone kind of working class, someone kind of gravitasy. Um, you know, I think I think he could do something. You could do something great so in here. When but... we do our when we do our yearly wrap up of season two, I think. Jimmy Smith should be the answer to every trivia question because I feel like Jimmy Smith is like the best answer to all of the questions we have about movies, right? And James Woods is the worst one the worst answer, answer to every question. Because seriously, I feel like Jimmy Smith, when we do the recast, is a great candidate for about half a dozen movies at least. I agree. So, I completely agree. Maybe he's not Sta- Joyful Noise. Is Stan a legend? Yep. He's a. Uh... Uh, one of the best parts of uh, the Star Wars prequels, and he's only in them for like thirty seconds. So that's Which is the problem. All the amount of time you should watch the prequels. prequels. Yeah. <laughs> Anywho, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Is there? I mean, other than other than getting rid of James Woods, what else? What else do we need to do to this movie? I mean, is it? I don't know. I think it's. I think it's workable. I think it's. You know, I mean, it's a rom com. It's. It's kind of on the rails. Um, it. It doesn't do a whole lot. It's yeah, like I mean, okay, nothing, I, nothing happens. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I feel like, like that was my biggest struggle. Is I'm going. How long is this movie? Because, like, zero has happened. Other than I guess they had to make up the whole journalism thing. Well, and that's the whole thing. It's like there are so many people who have made a career on radio pretending to be doctors who mm-hmm. are not doctors. And it's just like, what? I don't know. What is is that a thing? 
Is that a, is that really the dilemma of the movie? Like, I don't know. That, and that's my that's my favorite line of the movie is when she's on the talk show and he's like, "Well, where did you get your your medical training?" She's like, "I went to screw you." And I'm like, <laughs> "Yes." I'm like, "That's the line for the movie right there." Because it's like it doesn't matter. She doesn't. You don't need to have psychiatric training to like listen to people's problems on the radio like what were both of you thinking when you watched this film like what went through your mind other than when is this over so i I didn't want to watch it (laughs) again uh how how i i paid four dollars and james woods might get a cut of that and it makes me very sad that even a penny of my money goes to james woods that's awesome um and and also you know, speaking about the central dilemma that we're you y'all were just talking about, you know, I, I don't understand why it was such a big deal that she wasn't a doctor. I mean, she right. called herself doctor, so that that's wrong, right? Right. But I mean, it's basically, she's an advice columnist like Ann Landers or Dear Abby, but on the radio. That's what she's doing, basically. Right. And he's not trying to prescribe Zoloff or something. You know what I'm saying? She's just, and and nobody asks you know, dear Prudence for her credentials because she's just giving advice and you can take it or leave it because that's what all advice is, right? right? So using that as the central dilemma was stupid. And that's why it felt like nothing happened. Like this was a movie about nothing, basically, because there was no drama there. You know, there was there was really nothing much to resolve. Just stop calling yourself doctor and keep going, you know? Um, it just... Yeah, that, it didn't make sense to me. I, I think this was just supposed to be a vehicle for Dolly, which it could have been, but we got distracted by you know, James Woods. <laughs> and, and, like, just, it, it just wasn't very good, you know? And, and also, I think I may have touched on this just a tad when we did Steel Magnolias, but the portrayal of either, you know, like, when things in Hollywood, especially almost 30 years ago, um when they're either set in the south or surround you know are featuring southerners it can go so folksy as to be unrealistic and that was annoying to me you know Mm -hmm. as somebody who grew up in the south her whole life it's just like i mean and granted we went into this too that texas is different than the rest of the south but there are some things that are still stand here you know and i know a lot of southerners and they're not nearly as folksy as that and and by the way that puts a lot of pressure on us Uh, you know like like when you go someplace else another state or city or something and you tell people you're from texas or anywhere in the south they expect you to have those isms like those sayings that wise southern women say right no like uh Frog's ass being watertight or some shit like that. And we don't do that shit, you know? (laughs) We're not Ted Lasso, people. Come on. (laughs) And so when you see these folksy things and and everybody expects you to be folksy, so that annoys me too. But but it's just, she's so folksy. And look, I have no, I know, we know Dolly's folks. We've seen, I mean, I've seen at least a million interviews with her, right? You know, um, and so she can be, but, but it's almost to the point of caricature right yeah that's annoying and distracting and i gotta say it also feels just a tad bit cynical as well when they do that to southern characters so that's the other part is that 
if you're gonna write a vehicle for Dolly, I feel like this is a vehicle written for Dolly by people from like New York or you know what I'm saying? Right. Like they don't probably have never set foot in the South and think we're all ignorant fools. And and so they they overwrite it. It it's it, which is hard to do in a movie that's basically about nothing. So it's just a weird situation. It's a weird combination there. But I, I think if they had a writer who was actually maybe from the South or was allowed to write as if they're from the South, because maybe they are from the South, but the studio interfered or some shit, you know, because Hollywood gets their ideas in their head about things and they never fucking let go, you know. So if they have an idea that we're all charming, folksy people with these mannerisms and sayings, that's the way it's going to be like forevermore. You know what right. I'm saying? Am I making sense? I don't know. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and you raised a really good point, Melissa, because I was thinking about that. Like, even when the lady came up on the street and was yelling at her, like, my husband left me because of you or whatever. Like, I never once felt any conflict, right? Because even that situation, the guy was like, hey, Dolly's got to go. And the lady's like, okay, well, I just wanted you to know. Like, there was no... <laughs> Yeah. I, I was at no point involved in the plot of basically like like you said, Andy. I was just waiting for the theme songs. I was waiting for the songs <laughs> to come up because it's part of. But that's such a good point because it's not only that nothing happens, but there's no like there's there's no impetus for us to be involved with any of these characters, right? Like there's just right. no, there's there's no anything. And yeah, it, it was that. I feel like those because either everybody's folksy and from the south or everybody's italian right because it wasn't everybody in the radio station supposed to be like this italian guy like let's get in the limo kind of thing and drive around like it, it's such a caricature of everything like a bad lifetime movie yeah just silly. and i don't know i just i spent well i spent the entire movie doing a couple of things one um relishing the fact that I was not yet watching Joyful Noise, knowing that I still had that to go through. But two, um, you know, thinking about, like, uh, radio call-in hosts and, and things like that, and I don't know I'm, uh, how, like, kind of useless that... Well, not useless. That's not the right... Uh, the idea of uh, someone being credentialed being kind of useless though. And I was specifically thinking about a show that I listened to a ton when I was a teenager, which was uh love line oh, with wow. uh, Dr. Oh, Drew nice. and who is a, you know, and says it every episode was a board certified, you know, uh, you know, specialist in addiction recovery uh, science and, you know, had medical training and, and so on and so on. But essentially, he'd give out the same advice, like, every single episode, like, go get into therapy, go to rehab, um, et cetera, et cetera. It's like there wasn't that much that was really, like, that mysterious about it. And then, like, cut to now, and it's like, Dr. Drew's out there, like, spreading vaccine misinformation. And it's like, you know... The those medical degrees not as useful as uh, <laughs> as we think they are. So, you know, I I don't know, I, but yeah, but they obviously they needed some sort of conflict in this. It has to be, oh, it there's mistaken identity, and she goes from, you know, being just, you know, a charming 
southerner with folksy sayings to everybody's favorite radio host. Like, I fundamentally have no problem with that. But then the conflict has to come from, oh, well, he's doing a story about her and he's going to expose the truth. And it's like, why does why does any of that matter? It's just, I, I don't get it. Um, yeah. If I would have had more time, I would have loved to have written down all of the dumb cliches she used and just rapid fired them on this podcast. But I don't think that's fair to the two of you to have to sit through it again. But I mean, there were yeah, some no. horrible ones. Yeah. Um, and over and over again, I felt like 80% of her radio interactions were cliches. Um, to the part where I even started disliking Dolly by the end. And I hate to say that, but at the end you're like i hope you don't go on the radio again because i can't i can't listen to it um but it, to your point andy it's at least better than the other movie yeah <laughs> I, and i don't know i i guess i wish it wasn't so like straight fire or like rapid fire someone calls in with a problem dolly says something folksy on to the next caller right it's like you know oh maybe maybe we do spend some time in like have some, you know, some pathos, have some, you know, I don't know, um, what's really going on with these people. So, like, there is some sort of a connection, and you get why everybody loves her so much, because she's able to, like, reach out and touch people over the airwaves, and, you know, make people's lives better. Um, and then, you know, and, and then have the conflict, do have it be like, she worries about like am i hurting people um by doing this um i think that's like a question entertainers people with a platform like need to ask themselves and would be interesting to like talk about even in 1992 but well don't you think the best outcome would have been james woods stalks her or does i mean because that's <laughs> i mean that's what james woods is there for right to be creepy so you know she breaks him up with his girlfriend and then james woods becomes like an insane um like radio stalker who calls in all the time and like that's that's how this was set up to be is that's why you cast james woods right because he's crazy he's he's a crazy actor um and so then this that that's a fundamentally different movie. <laughs> <laughs> Candyman on air. That's what I was hoping for is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. And and then, I mean, and then have like a romantic subplot with like her producer or something. Her I don't producer, know. Jimmy Smith. Yeah. Ooh, okay. Circle. I, I'm with yeah. you too. Anyway, <laughs> I, I just kept thinking, I, I, I already knew the plot. I had already seen it. And to Melissa's point, I was sad. I had to watch it again, but I kept thinking, at what point in a real movie, James Woods would snap, right? And just be like, this isn't a story anymore. This is real. Uh, and he just goes crazy. Um, and then at the end, she pushes him off the bridge, and right? And then exposition, the cops just run over him with the boat, and um, it's over. But I don't know. It's just, I, I can't, I can still see him in my head. Um, like I on think... the bridge, just swaggering around in that oversized <laughs> pantsuit or whatever he was wearing. It was just creepy to me. 
I think you dislike this even more than me, just judging from that last <laughs> one <right> there. Like, <laughs> God, see the side of JB. <laughs> yeah, wow. Uh, yeah. All right. It was something else. It was. I'm glad we watched it and shared this time together. Um, <laughs> so we never have to do it again. Yes. So with that, on to joyful noise. Okay, let me now let me preface Joyful Noise because I like I, I texted you guys last night and I said I watched it and then I only watched the musical numbers. And I will tell you, I if you take the movie away from the musical numbers, there are some fantastic musical numbers in this movie. Yeah, I like that movie. The music is terrific and it's just too bad there's an hour and twenty five minutes in between that. Um of people way out of character and conflicts that aren't even really conflicting, right? Um, it's like, I, I thought Kirk Cameron was directing it. Like it was one of his weird, you know, Christian conflict. It, it does. It feels like one of those weird Jesus movies. Yeah. And you're like, wait, where, when's the like ha- heavy handed message going to hit me up on this? I don't... It's in the medley. Wait for the medley. <laughs> that medley was cool. I like that medley. medley. Uh, I mean, all of, all all like I said, all the songs. Jeremy Jordan can flat out. I mean, anything he sings, I'll listen to. But yeah, that was just such a discordant movie. Yeah, I don't know, Melissa. What? So, <laughs> the problem I have with this movie is that Dolly was prominently featured on all the posters, but she was a supporting character. I mean, she really. Yeah she wasn't in this as much as I thought she would be considering how much they pushed her being like the star along with Queen Latifah. Right. If she felt secondary as a character, uh, I mean, she, she was good in the scenes that she actually got something to do other than swaying to the music. You know what I mean? Like with the rest of the choir. Um, So that was maybe my biggest problem other than the Jesus stuff. Now look, if y'all are religious, anybody out there listening, whatever, more power to you. Good. Yeah. But I'm not religious. I'm very agnostic and I that's my happy place. And normally like not making up your mind or not knowing would not be my happy place. But in this case I found with religion, having been tortured through Catholic school all my life, that that's just really the best place for me. You know what I mean? And so I'm not a believer. Uh and when I hear Jesus or God, every other word, it felt like it just, it felt almost like an assault or something, you know? And it just, I, I just, you get tired of hearing it, you know? Um, I, I don't, I don't know. It was too much. I, I, I understand if they were trying to make a Jesus type movie, but it, it just went overboard. It, it was really overwrought with the religious references constantly. And I know it's a church choir. I get it, but still it's just, it's a lot. Um, and you know, the musical numbers, like you said, they're really good, but the characterations were thin. It, it, there was a lot of stuff in between. I didn't care about between yeah. the songs, you know what I mean? Yep. And, yeah. um, and, but, but there was Chris Christopherson. So that's good. He was okay. good. Yep. You know, yep. that was, that was nice to see. I'm a big fan, but you know, um, it was just kind of boring. I kept waiting for the next musical number. That's all I wanted because then they wouldn't, you know, bring in God every 10 seconds, only every 20 during a song. And what was, and what was, it was like straight talk. What was the real conflict? Like the slap? 
Like, which I don't even know why that happened, honestly, in the movie. It seemed really out of place, but yeah, like, I like even the conflict was so goody goody. Um, because it was always followed up by a musical number, right? Um, it, like, what what is this? I mean, I, yeah, exactly. I think it also it, it feels like this movie is set in like a slightly different reality than ours, <laughs> where you know, like. There's there's this giant event, the joyful noise competition, where church choirs um, compete from all across the country, and every year in LA they descend from everywhere, and there's this national circuit, and tens of thousands of people fill a giant theater in LA to hear you know church choirs sing against each other like yes of course this exists like that's oh, of course like no there there's no such thing i mean this movie really feels like it came about because someone said hey that glee show is popular on tv why don't we have a movie about like competition choirs oh i have an idea let's like set it in church and like you know have like a religious element of it oh yeah sure let's do that and it's just like wait what like what is this movie i just it it doesn't make a whole lot of sense the conflict of like you know we we have to compete against uh against these people in the regionals and then we're going to nationals but you know the the preacher doesn't want to let us sing our songs the way that we want to. So we're going to get around that because Dolly's going to get herself ordained and like form her own church. I like what, what is What are all of these weird things that are happening in this movie? This just, it, it, it it's so there, there are some the movies thing. The, I mean, I love so many things about being on this podcast, but I will say one of my favorites is anytime you or Brooke or Melissa describe a movie back to me in my head, sometimes I'll go, God, that sounds so much worse. Like, you know what I mean? Like, um, <laughs> like when you just said what the plot was, I went, yeah, I did watch that. And it was even worse. Right. Like the opposite of what you did to the, the Bond film about the Cold War. <laughs> when you when you made me like it more when you described it you did the opposite now i'm like oh yeah i'm really regretting having watched that but no it's true everything you said is true and there was no there was nothing redeeming about that movie and i think that's what disappointed me the most is i was supposed to learn something or i was supposed to feel better about something and i felt worse right like yeah. at the end i just felt like oh huh well I guess I, I didn't learn as much about Christianity or whatever as I'd hoped. Um, good music, though, but... Um. Well, and, like, beyond the very, very personal stakes of, like, Queen Latifah and Kiki Palmer's family. Right. Like, they're, they've got some personal skin in this, but other than, like, their self-actualization, what are the stakes for everyone else? Because... Right this movie is really missing some idea that like somehow if their church wins the the choir competition then like the town is going to be better there's like these little seeds planted in there that like 
the hardware store is going out of business. They reopen the mine, right? Yeah, or and like <laughs> what what like it's like, oh well yes, you know, if we win the joyful noise competition, which everybody knows about because it's a giant national sensation. Everyone cares about it. Then our 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 little city in uh exurban Georgia will become a tourist attraction and uh everyone will be happy again. Like what? What is this? Yeah. But the musical numbers are great. The music's great. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> I was sitting there uh, and like two thirds of the way through me, through the movie, Queen Latifah does Fix Me Jesus. Right. And I just kept thinking, I'm like, this is a song about the script. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Wow. Oh, wow. Well done. I mean, that's better than the alternative of what the song could be about. I don't even want to go there. You get, yeah. you get some of those weird, you know, 1960s EPs of like, use me Jesus. And, um, you know, where they, you got the three the sisters singing on something about, um, oh. mold me to your hands, Jesus and stuff. Like as long as it doesn't go there, mm, I don't want it. Yeah. That. No, <laughs> Not that, <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't know. I, right I mean, on, Melissa, right to on. your point, I think you could have made this a better movie by having it be both a little more specific and a little less overbearing. Well said. Yeah. I think if if you if you really wanted to make this movie about that, the fundamental conflict of this is small town church choir everybody's in each other's business and the stakes really are should we be a more like traditional choir or should we try and be the place where the kids want to hang out and like we can play like usher. popular music in yeah, this we get, we get some usher in here yep yeah and <laughs> and can and it's about everybody coming together to like you know have and and you can still have a lot of the same musical numbers you still get the the like cool um medley at the end and like and there's elements of that but it that's that's also just a fundamentally different movie so yeah and it can be done because it's you know a similar movie is called sister act and that was a great movie yeah so you, can, you can do the the god thing and you can do the choir thing and you can put them together and not have it be eye roll inducing you know um and you've got a big you've got two big stars queen latifah and 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 uh, dolly i mean it's such a waste they're yeah. both such great talents they're they've got charisma they they they've got the vocal chops and, and you know they only use the vocal chops that's all they used and it was just so one-dimensional but yeah. but you know yeah. if i like if sister act didn't exist maybe i wouldn't have been so disappointed but i know they could have done better because of that movie for sure right and they just didn't but it's know? and it's really interesting melissa because i didn't think about that till i saw all the youtube clips of every single tv show that queen latifah and dolly parton did as press right like they were singing on shows together they were on every single daytime show and then nothing in the movie right no interaction yeah. between them no real value but i will say queen latifah still i mean 
terrific in everything and her new equalizer show is fantastic you know like i usually don't go for that kind of case of the week show but she makes it work i mean she i does. haven't seen the last couple of episodes because i'm not in a hurry to watch them but i will watch them because she's really good she is and and her sidekicks are great too the, the three of them are awesome but yeah andy i really do like her in that because she she's got such a great presence and she has it in this movie too she's very commanding um and and that's an exceptional talent that she has and she, and she yeah. she does that in equalizer too you're like i mean she will whoop your ass uh, yeah so that, i i watched the first episode um when it was on after the super bowl because i was kind of curious uh-huh. and it was like i don't know i was like i i I don't know. I'm curious. Adam Goldberg's in this. Like, what what's going on there? So, which is he's one of my favorites. So yeah. Well, he you you he gets to play the nerd role, and yeah. uh, you know you you do a good one of those, and you actually have like a fun show. So yeah, the nice paranoid yeah. Uh, CIA nerd. He was in that. He did that role in a different show before that, right? Um, um he was a bad guy though. Was it? It wasn't person of interest which by the way still one of my favorite tv shows of all time um but it, he carried that over because i remember he was a like a somebody had captured him and they made him do like random computer things in another tv show and then when i saw him in this i went wait a minute did i fall into a time loop like bruce willis or something what happened here same movie yeah yeah um, no i i don't know i always just see him as like Chandler's stalker roommate and uh, on that like one episode of Friends he was in um, but so good and then the Hebrew Hammer oh yeah <laughs> I love the Hebrew Hammer it was, so it was either the Taken TV show or it, I think it was the Taken TV show he did it it was either that or White Collar um, but yeah it's a similar yeah. role and he, he plays it very well but yeah Queen Latifah I didn't much like the first couple episodes, but um, I think once they got the flow going, it, it was much better. Um, so, I anyway. have to check that out. Yeah, but she she just she does just have that gravitas, and I wish that the stakes had been a little more than just like Dolly feels like she got passed over, and but she's still singing in the choir even though she doesn't. I, I don't know. There, it's, it's just yeah, it's weird. Now, that, like I said, once you started describing it, I went, oh, I even I like it less now. Yeah, and the and the other weird thing is that, like, this film is very obviously like interracial, and there are interracial relationships, um, which is great, and I'm glad that it's normalized but it's never addressed in any form at all. And it's like, I mean, while that's good, it's also like striking that like no one mentions it, like even one word about it. Um, So I don't know. Like, yeah, and they're supposed to be 16 or something. Yeah. Like how old are they? I got the feeling like, Jeremy Jordan was maybe like several years older than her, which would be like weird. Like he's like 19 and she's 16. Like that's 
he looked about 25 to me and she yeah. was like 16, 17. That was <laughs> creepy. Not only did they not really have great chemistry in my mind, but they, it, it, it looked, it, it, it looked like, you know, a Dateline episode. It was not good. <laughs> not good. I mean, I know Hollywood rarely casts teenagers as teenagers. And, and you, somebody mentioned Glee earlier. I mean, case in yep. point, right? Yeah, seriously. Uh, they yep. did not look like no sophomores in high school, those kids, you know. Um, okay. But but this was particularly egregious. But I guess, you know, you want a certain – they have to have musical talents. So you can't just cast anyone, you know. And so maybe that's all they had. I don't know. But, yeah, that was not good. I, I like them both as individuals, the two actors, and they both – are great singers but together it just didn't work yeah i agree I, again there was no there was nothing to it it was just like a plot device you know there was no there was nothing in it for him to have a relationship there was no like the worst thing that happens during the movie is queen latifah makes eye contact and tells him to walk to the other side of the stage like like i don't know i, I never felt like there was massive conflict about any of it yeah like no. I don't trust you. I don't. I don't like you. You're that troubled kid. Stay away from my daughter. And, and by like, stay away, I mean go over there while you're singing, right? Yeah. That'll that'll show you. Yeah. I don't know. It's all very weird. Also very weird that you cast Jesse L. Martin in this <laughs> role, and he doesn't sing or dance. Oh. The guy. He. He played the um, Richard Gere role in Chicago on Broadway for years. Yep. After Law and Order, he's so good, and like, yep, nope. He shows up for a couple scenes and looks good in army fatigues. I guess. I I'm like, give me some more of that. Give me like flashbacks of like, where's the version of this movie where he and Queen Latifah are like doing a duet together like i want that i i don't know I, it, that just made me very sad that i'm like okay well great uh, jesse l martin's in this movie there's gonna be like something about about them and like nope we never get any of that and just and courtney b vance too was is in this movie and you know yeah. it, it, I don't know. I mean, I guess it was sort of an important role as, as much as any role can be important in a movie without much of a plot. But like, he just looked like it, it was mostly facial expressions. Yeah. Like, he looked aggrieved most of the time. And it just, yeah. you know, I don't know. I was like, why did you take this dude? You could have been home with Angela Bassett. He's married to Angela Bassett, the queen. You know what I'm saying? Like, it just <laughs> stay home and st with your wife. If I was married to Angela Bassett, I would be like, I don't need to work. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just stay home with you. Yeah, you know, it's just um, I don't know. He wasn't given much to do. It, it uh, well, just like Dolly too. I mean, really, it's just not. I don't know. Yeah, I don't like all of them. I really, I liked uh, what Walter's character, right? Yeah, didn't really use Walter either. I mean, the um, I, I, they had a lot of places they could have gone and they just didn't like and said. then they have like weird subplots about the one member of the choir who sleeps with the other member of the choir and kills him 
<laughs> which oh is kind of funny. But like, but then there's this whole thing like, what if you know that's the way? You know, I'm just gonna kill people whoever I sleep with, and I'm like, well, you and James Bond should meet up and let me, oh, let me introduce you to this guy from Straight Talk. Oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, I figured it was just like they're being wholly religious, and you know that was her punishment for having premarital sex. Like, yeah, that's how I took it. You know, maybe I was just being too cynical or something. But you know, and when it comes to religion, I can be quite cynical. Um, so yeah, that's how I sort of saw it. Kind of like, you know, in, in horror movies when they kill the woman who just had sex. You know, right. it's something like that. Only they killed him to make him to make her suffer which actually would make this a catholic movie probably right. <laughs> but yeah so that's how i took that that was terrible oh yeah i don't know it was very and and just a weird subplot to throw in here you know like i don't know i just this movie is so many different kinds of weird at least he could have killed the guy with a trident that's all I asked. <laughs> why, why did they to kill the Asian dude? Come on. Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. And he yeah. was so sweet. He was very sweet. And I I don't know. I I kind of like the two of them. I'm like, oh, that's going to be fun. Yeah. They're going to be sneaking around together the rest of the movie. And then no. uh, that's going to be a thing that, like, there's this little affair happening. And, and then they could have played sneaking around from Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. Hey. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this movie just, just got a, this movie just got a whole lot better. Thank you, Melissa. <laughs> yeah, see this this movie could have been so much better, and yeah. probably by eliminating eighty percent of the plot and having more musical numbers. So, I mean, I, I feel know. like that is the unfortunate component of most of the recent Dolly movies. Is the answer is less plot, more music. Well, and that's fine. I mean, and that's that's the thing is like I would and it's why like I haven't wanted to watch anything after this because it feels like this was at least the last attempt to have like an honest to goodness movie with a narrative. Like doing like what what is it? Like Hometown Christmas in Nashville or something. It, like it's it's just it's just musical numbers. That's fine. It's just a musical review and it's, you know, the plot is everybody's coming over to Dolly's house and we're going to sing Christmas carols. And that's fine. That's fine. We don't need a plot. Um, except, except James Woods. You keep your ass away. No Christmas carols with you. <laughs> and I so, like it's a Krampus movie. Then <laughs> <laughs> Bad Santa. <laughs> oh no because at least even billy bob's he had some charm i mean we don't want we don't want james woods's yeah, army charm that's gross no thanks i'm with you there yeah no, i liked everybody in bad santa yeah that's that's a fun movie we'll do that sometime have a, a do both those movies for a christmas something sometime what's the christmas movie with justin timberlake wasn't he in a weird one like that Christmas movie? Um, Wasn't he in a Christmas movie? I don't know. Oh, I might be thinking of the Cameron Diaz one. Bad, bad teacher. Oh, oh, okay. Wait, was he in that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He's a dry hump guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. One. Yeah. Okay. Okay. (laughs) I knew it was bad something. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> it was bad in general, that movie. But yeah, it was not good. <laughs> there you go. Okay. But Dave, so but Dave Kasdan did it on his way to Jumanji and the new Ghostbusters. So, oh no, sorry. Um, um, what was the one he did after? Was it Sex Tape? You're too interested in Justin Timberlake's acting career, dude. Wow. I do, I do like Justin Timberlake. That was I, good. Honestly, I forgot about that bad teacher one. When you mentioned him, I was like, the only thing I could think of is trolls, right? Like, and he, it's just his voice. Like, I don't, I have no idea what else he's doing. I think it's, I think part of my problem is I watch um, Fallon, Jimmy Fallon clips, and you know how Timberlake always shows up and does like musical stuff there, and it's usually to promote a movie. Like right. he did it right before in time. Um, so that may be the only reason why I know. Speaking of actors who give me the heebies, Jimmy Fallon, one of them. I can't watch his show. I don't know why. Really? I just can't stand it. Yeah. It, I, he I, looks to me like he'd smell like, like stale whiskey and, and sweat or something. And I just can't watch him. I, I, I don't know what it is. It's just the thing about him. Him and that Joe Dirt guy, and James, <laughs> oh, nice. and, uh, and James Woods, yeah, David, David Spade or David whatever. David Spade, it is. that's his yeah. name. He, oh, he gives me the heebies worse than all of them. He's I, I can't watch guy. Fallon because he he interviews like a fourth grader. That's my biggest problem. Mm. I'm like, can you not laugh like you're at the drinking fountain and you made a poopy? You know. My problem is that he always feels like he has to go viral they're always doing stunt after stunt after stunt all the late night guys well except for um colbert i don't think he does that stuff but like you know like eating gross foods or or you know you know what i'm saying like they yeah. have these mm -hmm. things to go viral and i'm like just interview them yeah you know it, it you don't have to go make a video that gets a, a billion views every single episode you know what i'm saying it's just it, they rely too much on on like social media and things going crazy with with views and i it's annoying now i will say there was one that they did where they played the water game and it was who could get jason momoa the wettest so i feel like that would probably be acceptable <gasps> um okay i can i can get on board with that yeah, i didn't yeah, know that I, existed some of, those, some of those i feel like are more are more valuable than others right true <laughs> and the kark pool karaoke was a lot of fun till it wasn't because they ran it into the ground oh you know what i mean gosh. so they take something they came up with that was good and then they just it's like you know they just ride that workhorse till it dies you know right. it's, uh, especially with people who oh. shouldn't be karaoke and you're like stop don't make that person sing oh god he's singing <laughs> make it stop well and when i don't know like you you reach your peak with someone like michelle obama right someone who is like unexpectedly like man she can really like bust out the stevie wonder songs like that's great oh um, and they actually had stevie wonder on there that was a good one yeah, i have to yeah. say i love stevie wonder so much and then and but then you get like the red hot chili peppers and they're like I think the Red Hot Chili Peppers don't know the words to their own songs. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Too many drugs. Like, what are you guys singing? Do you need the Do you need the Michael Stipe stand that he uses in all of the REM concerts, where you yeah. put the music stand out? Yeah, get him one Do, of those. Because he doesn't know the words to "It's the End of the World as We Know It." Yeah, because he's because he's written 180 songs in his life, and yeah, that's like, true. I don't I don't know any of these. I don't remember. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, but back to Dolly. 
Um, I don't know. This feels like kind of a a weird send off for her, and I feel I feel bad that there isn't anything better after this. I mean, and this does feel like a real like kind of supporting role. I was expecting like at least fifty percent more Dolly in all of this. Yep. Yep. So, I mean, and I got more. Kiki Palmer and, and Jeremy Jordan, which isn't which isn't bad, but I was just I was expecting more Dolly. And again, and you and you watch stuff with Jeremy Jordan in it and you go, gosh, this guy has so much range just in general, like not just his singing, but his acting and yep. um, and and even this movie just gave him nothing. Mm-hmm. So even all the I'm sure Kiki Palmer was the same, just really talented actor and and singer and just nothing. Have either of you seen the last five years with him and Anna Kendrick? No. no. AKA the movie that will make you cry like eight times. Oh. Um, Do I it, want it, to see I that? know. Way to, way to sell that to us. It is. Okay. So do, do either of you know the premise of the last five years? Nope. It is the story of a relationship between Anna Kendrick and Jeremy Jordan. And, um, you know, at the beginning that they've broken up, but he's starting from, he's starting from the beginning of the relationship and she's starting from the end and each of them go back and forth with songs. Um, but, and they're telling the story of the relationship and then, they like meet in the middle where like the relationship is kind of at its peak and um, you see one of them like move forward through the relationship and you see one of them going backwards through it. Um, And it's just like heartbreaking um, how like these two people like really loved each other and then, and then didn't. Um, and they're both really, really, really good. Um, and yeah, and it was a stage musical before it was before it was a movie. Um, but um, interesting. I mean, it it's like I don't know. It's like if if you made Memento into a Sondheim movie, like that's that's what this is. Oh, so wow. was um, Jeremy Jordan in the stage play before, and then they brought him into the movie into the show was he I, that's a good question i don't remember i want to say yes but i'm not sure of that um but but yeah so um he of course famous for playing the um playing the lead in newsies that uh was was originated by christian bale in the movie <laughs> so. oh jesus <laughs> it's funny anyway um, and, and I also love Jeremy Jordan cause he was on the first few seasons of Supergirl. There you go. I, I love, I love Supergirl. That's the shout out Supergirl. I was waiting for. <laughs> I was going to see if you were going to bring that up also cause Jesse L. Martin's in this and he's in the flash. And so he is in the flash. We got a few Arrowverse types in here. Yeah. There, there was, there was a flash, um, Supergirl crossover in, the second or third season where um 
Darren Chris shows up and he's and he has music superpowers and he makes them sing their feelings. And it's uh it's very interesting and everybody does song and dance numbers. Because Melissa Benoist was on Glee too, so it was like and and so was uh Grant Gustin. So geez, everybody was on Glee. Wow. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Uh well <laughs> The year was 2008. Everybody loved show choirs. So, of course, we make this movie, Joyful Noise, because everybody loves show choirs. That's the, that's the thing, right? Yeah. And that's why this all felt rushed, probably. They just tried to get it through as quickly as possible. I mean, I think, yeah. I, I think kind of, obviously, like, this was written by someone who does love choirs and... and sh show choirs and whatever but um you know but it just i don't know it feels very artificial and weird um dude, dude fell off the map after he wrote this too didn't he i think so yeah he'd made a couple of other movies before that he made another one called camp which yeah. was very similar about like a um about a, a arts camp up in the Catskills um, based on a real camp that he had attended and like all of these famous actors have gone to so anyway um, but yeah so weird movie um, uh, let's let's talk about both of these real quick uh, so straight talk opened on April 3rd 1992 okay. uh, and made a total of 21.2 million dollars uh, inflation adjusted that's almost doubled at 46.8 million um, so not a lot I mean made back its budget um, but was not a a hit uh, I think opened at like four or five that week, and there were some pretty big movies out that same time, so just never really went anywhere. Did okay on home video. Um, that's about it. Joyful Noise. Um, Joyful Noise opened on January 13th, 2012. Oh, the death so zone. Buried in January. Yeah. But remarkably had over 10,000 theatrical engagements. So this played in a lot of places for a long time. That's crazy. Like 10,000 screens, like jeez. There are there are many movies that don't that don't have that much. Was nothing um, out at the same time? Was there like no other movie? Like why were they Was it just Oscar shows? Maybe, I don't know. Anyway, made Made 30, 30.9 million, which inflation adjusted is 39 million. So, um, which I mean, to be fair, is more than Suicide Squad might make. So, Jeez. um, but that's not Suicide Squad's fault. Just seriously, you know, the box office, but, um, uh, you know, made its budget back, did okay. Everyone was, you know, more or less happy with it, but not a huge hit. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I could look up what the, what other movies were coming out in January of 2012, but um, if if we really care that much, yeah, um, it's, it's just interesting. I mean, um, I remember Straight Talk was up against competition because again, '92 there was tons of movies, but um, I don't even I think, remember Joyful Noise coming out. Yeah, now you said you'd seen it before. I had I didn't even know this movie existed until like a little while ago. Which one, Straight Talk or Joyful Noise? Us, uh, uh, both actually. Yeah, I had seen <laughs> Straight Talk before, um, because it, you know, it, it it made the rounds on um, public television, right? The life, the the TNT, TBS kind of thing. But um, yeah, not. I don't remember it being as bad as I do. Uh, but maybe it was because James Woods wasn't creep. Like, when did James Woods hit creepiness? Always. I, mean, I don't always. ever remember him not being creepy. But that's what yeah. I mean. Like, he's in enough movies, and he's the good guy in enough movies. Like, I don't remember the hard way coming out and having people go, "I'm not going to see that because James Woods creeps me out." Right? People loved the hard way. Um. Hmm. And and I I didn't mind it when I first watched it. I mean, it's a great premise. James Woods, Michael J. Fox, right? You kind of have like the castle vibe. Um, but no, I I just I don't remember when. You know, now you go back and watch his films. You're like, oh, this dude's creepy. But at the time, I don't remember thinking he was creepy. So I don't know. I don't know when the perception changed. I'll, I'll have to think about it. Hmm. Maybe it's um, in his biography, I'm a Creep, by James Woods. <laughs> um, not a lot of movies coming out um, in January 2012. Uh, you have a lot of... Um, you have a lot of holdover from the... Uh, um, uh, from the holidays. Okay. Oh, here's, here's what probably did it in mostly... The Beauty and the Beast um, uh, re-release. Uh, interesting. So that's interesting. Um, Contraband? I don't even remember what that movie was. Oh, okay. Uh, and Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol, hanging out at number There two. you go. <laughs> Great movie. So, Not um, as much um, dungeon basementing as you would prefer in your movie, but it's, it's still okay. Shout out Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. Shout out, Brooke. What is, what is this contraband? Now I'm like, what is this? <laughs> it sounds like something Matt Damon was in. Uh, no, I. It looks like uh, Mark Wahlberg. Oh, well, I mean, poor man, yes. Matt Damon. Anyway, um, <laughs> okay. Studio notes. How could we save either of these movies besides recast James Woods? I think we've. We've given some good ideas. Can you for make these, but the any same, other studio? Can you make them the same movie? Just smash the plots together, and then get it over with. I I don't know. I mean, because you've got Dolly in a rom com role, and then she's also like part of the dilemma in the other one. I don't know. I guess you can't. You'd have to keep Chris Christopherson alive, I guess. Yeah. You can't do that. They could, didn't even do that in Blade. Come no. on. I mean, not at first. Then they somehow brought him back, I guess. Whatever that was about. Right. Um, 
I don't know. I'd, it's hard to think about wanting to do anything to these movies, let alone watch them. Um, I don't know, Melissa, what have you got? What's on I, your fix? I, I said don't make them. I, I, <laughs> that's a lazy way to do it. But, you know, it, it, you could improve them, but they, would, they wouldn't be the same movie, not even close. Because most movies, if they're at least decent... You, you tweak a thing or two and you're good, and, but it still remains essentially the same movie. In this case, you would have to redo them completely. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and why bother then? You, they just make a different movie. Don't make this movie, you know? Um, I, I And also because if you don't make the movies, then Dolly's star doesn't get so tarnished by them, you know? Yeah. Um, and I still will always stand her, of course, but, you know... It would have been it would have been nice if these weren't on her resume, you know. It would have been nice if she'd just gone straight to like her Netflix period, like she has now. Yeah, you know what I'm saying with Puddin and uh, and the Heartstrings thing, you know what I mean? So yeah, um, yeah, it would have been nice to go like from Steel Magnolia straight to there or something, or stuff in between, but just something that actually takes advantage of her talent the, these mo- neither of these movies really did that effectively and I, I just you have to wonder if the screenwriters even like her or understood her you know uh, probably yeah probably they didn't I mean it certainly doesn't feel like it these certainly don't feel like I don't know straight talk comes closer to being like feels like written potentially for Dolly Parton but um, not not in the same way that her previous four films have. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, was um, yeah, because they had a couple people write, um, straight talk, right? Yeah, and one of them, one of the uh, people who did a pass on the script was one of the writers from um, uh, Nine to Five. So that you was know, Redick, wasn't it? Uh, I can't remember. Um. Yeah, but because the guy who wrote it first was the guy who wrote Black Rain with yeah. Michael Douglas, right? And then the other lady came in, and yeah, she wrote Nine to Five, um, Straight Talk, Second Sight. Is that the one with Marley Matlin? I don't remember. The oh no, that's the oh wow, that's the John Larroquette Bronson Pinchot one. Where, what? You remember that? Where he's like the um, super psychic. Bronson Pinchot is the psychic and they try to solve some crime. I feel like I vaguely remember maybe seeing a trailer for that, but not the whole movie. Now that's a deep dive. I'm going to have Now I have to. I feel like I have to see for it. Yeah. <laughs> I love John Larroquette. Yeah, and the director directed all of the Perfect Strangers. He directed a bunch of Family Matters, Hanging with Mr. Cooper, Full House. Um, wow. So, yeah, uh, Joel Zwick. Mm. Um, he did My Big Fat Greek Wedding, too, which is not what Second Oh, that's Sight. right. So, yeah, um, yeah I, I don't, don't rush out and watch it. And the only reason is, when I was a kid, my mom used to take me to Sounds Easy Pizza. I remember sounds easy. Uh, yeah, because yes. and and um, every weekend you we would go and my mom would get a Hawaiian pizza because in my family we believe in putting pineapple on pizza. So y'all can kiss my ass. 
When did that become a thing? I don't understand how that divided the entire fucking internet. Like, I don't know. I just, I always had pineapple on pizza. I didn't know it was a thing. So apparently I grew up weird, but so we would go and, and I could, you get like a pizza and two movies for five ninety nine and yeah, yeah I think that was the deal. Yeah. A pizza yeah. and two movies for five bucks or something. But you yeah. could also, you could either get a Nintendo game or a, a movie. So we usually get a movie and a Nintendo game. And I remember Second Sight was always there because I remember the cover because it's Bronson Pinchot floating, oh right, um, with electricity coming out of his arms. And I don't ever remember that movie being checked out. So you know, I, I raise that as saying don't rush out to watch Second Sight because Sounds Easy never had it for me. <laughs> it never right. got invented. So. Yeah. But get, a, get yourself a pizza with pineapple on it. That's a better suggestion. Yes. Uh... Are there any good one-liners or quotes from the these movies that we would want to hold I up? Didn't, I'll be honest. I didn't bother thinking about it because I just that meant I might have to go back and rewatch the scene or something like that. Right. Um, I can't remember the enough of the quotes that she used on the radio. Um, I did like what was the. It was the weirdest because it was like, oh yeah, God didn't make plastic surgeons so they could starve. Oh, well, because it was one of those where I went, even her lines are not written well for her, you know? Yeah. I don't. I I, I felt sorry for her. Yeah. With when with lines like that, there were several like that. I'm like, is that supposed to be funny or an insult? I don't know. I don't. I don't get it. Yeah, like you're so old, you read the Bible to reminisce, like stuff like that. I went, like, not even whoever writes this isn't even writing it well. Um, anyway. Yeah, I mean, I I already gave mine, which was, um, you know, just the line about "screw you," being where she got her degree from. That, that's actually a somewhat clever line. I like that, but other than that, yeah. Just as long as it's not that cornflakes line that she used in the. Uh, the get yeah, the I don't know. I don't know what that the, is. The cornflakes and the peas and TV dinner or whatever all that stuff was. Yeah. So confused. Both of these were written so confusing. Now I'm confused again. Like, I need what? pineapple. Oh my <laughs> Go get your pineapple. Yeah, we'll, I'll we'll get it later. Go okay. get a juice box. We'll be okay. okay. Um, <laughs> best. <laughs> Best side character. Oh. Um, Dolly in Joyful Noise. Yeah. Yeah. Was I was going to. Was Terry yeah. Hatcher in Straight Talk? Yeah, she was. Yes, very briefly. She was the girlfriend that yeah. um, he broke yeah. up with. Yeah. That, Lucky yeah. girl. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Get out of there. <laughs> so I can jump in. Um, yes, Dolly's the best. I think I did like um, the guy who played Walter. Yeah. And yeah, Dolly's my favorite in uh, in Joyful Noise, and then and closely followed by her husband Chris Christopherson. Um, but yeah, other than that, which leads me to best song, um, closely beating out maybe I'm amazed and. Uh, man in the mirror but i really like the 
the Dolly Chris Christopherson song. It was a good song. That was I, I that was really that was from here to the moon. Yeah. Is that what it's called? Yeah. That was a cute song. It was. What do you think, Melissa? I'm gonna go with maybe I'm amazed because that's like maybe the only Paul McCartney solo song that I really love. You know, mm. um, most of his solo work I'm not fond of. So that that oh that I kind of like that. A fair assessment. You know, I like Paul McCartney, but that's totally fair. I, <laughs> I'm totally with Melissa on this, and it's the hurt by Nine Inch Nails move, where if someone can sing your song better than you after you wrote it, then it should be right, like the best song in a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think Jeremy Jordan and, and the two of them singing that song. Granted, Paul McCartney, not my favorite vocalist. Yeah but wrote a tremendous song and to have somebody, a group of people sing it like that, um, I think does credit to the value of the song. And I'm with Melissa. I think that was the, the best song, especially because they didn't turn Usher into a song about Jesus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Super unsettling to me. I'm like, I don't think that's what Usher had in mind, but okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, but yeah, I'm with uh, Melissa. I thought that was I thought that was a great version. No, I agree. And you know, McCartney puts a lot of mustard on his delivery on the album, where he's like, "Got it, got Baby, I'm a man. Baby, I'm a man. I was like, "Whoa, calm down there, Paul. Like, you don't have to scream about how much you love Linda so much. We get it. It's cool. Yeah, just let the song be, dude." I honestly thought the first time I heard that song. That he was going to start going into like Aerosmith territory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little bit. That's great. Yeah, that's perfect. Totally. Uh, and and the best thing about Maybe I'm Amazed is when you play it backwards, you get a really great recipe for lentil uh, soup. For, yeah, for lentil soup. So. Oh, such a great Simpsons line. That's a Simpsons joke. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, okay. Um, is this? Are these good movies? Is that no. a rhetorical question? <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, we have to ask the question, though. Like, no. Like, uh... you you could put these two movies together and still not get half a good movie. Seriously. Ooh. Wow. They're bad. I mean. Shocker I don't mind a movie if a movie doesn't have plot as long as it's still entertaining, but these weren't. It, it yeah. was boring, you know? They're pretty boring. Where where would you rate these, like, in the pantheon of movies that we've watched for this podcast? Like, how far down exactly are they? They're not as bad as The Power of One. Okay. <laughs> the bar is set. Tough but fair. <laughs> but... They would be towards the bottom. I don't think they would be like right above that movie. But, um, I'm trying to think of what else. See, because like, remember, I haven't seen all the Bond movies, so I don't. Yeah. Um, but I would put them down there with like like Octopussy type of, you know, not great. But I, at least Octopussy has some kind of sentimental vibe to me because that's the first Bond I ever saw. They, these don't even have that going for them. You know. Would what I'm, you Would you watch Blade Two or these or Blade Three? Because Blade watch... Two was good. Yeah, Blade oh, Two. Was... Sorry, what? Blade Three. I would probably watch Blade Three 
before either of these movies again. Um, wow. Yeah, like Straight Talk, if it didn't have James Woods, I would might watch that before Blade Three, but but James Woods, I mean Jesus, you know. So yeah, they're they're pretty low down, y'all. I, yeah. I I did not enjoy these, to, it, despite Dolly being in them. It it that didn't help much. Yeah, that's that's sort of where I'm at. They're in the like upper tier of Roger Moore Bond movies. Blade Three is sort of in the mix. I agree. They're not so they're not the worst of the worst, but they're but they're they're not great. Yeah, it's hard because I'd rather watch like I watched Straight Talk and didn't think anything of it. I watched Joyful Noise and at least there were three or four musical numbers that made me pay attention. Right? Sure. So I hate to say it, but I would probably watch Joyful Noise before I watch Straight Talk again. Only because I'd be mm. fast forwarding it to the musical numbers. I mean, yeah. on that caveat, yes. Yeah. yeah. But that's like, you know, um, I'm trying to think of a bad Bond movie with a good opening theme song. You oh, Beauty a Kill. Beauty a Kill, yeah. yeah. That's all you want. You just watch the. And Grace Jones. Every scene with Grace Jones. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Because you have to watch him breaking the guy in half on the racetrack, or whatever. Yeah, where where she lifts the guy up over her head. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The best, the best Bond moment ever. <laughs> Thank you, Grace Jones. It's awesome. Okay, uh, is the main character, which we will interpret here, even though this is not true, the main character being Dolly's character. Are they a good person in in these movies? Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. I, I mean, much more so in straight talk. Like, I don't know. Jury's kind of out on, like, I don't know. I feel like holding your preacher hostage by telling him, like, I pay your salary. And so you're going to do what I say, like, feels like a morally questionable thing to do. But doing it for the right reasons, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> I guess you say everybody in straight talk was set up to be kind of a weirdo or an unethical person. So Dolly could look better. Right. Yeah. Everybody's kind of unscrupulous and, and, um, doing things for their own career advancement. Right. Joyful noise. I think they tried to set up where everybody was a good character, although misguided, still good. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I think, I think even, Dolly trying to be set up as the um, the one who can pull the most strings was still good. Yeah. She just thought there was a different way to do it, right? Sure. <laughs> sure, Jen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and would you show these to children? Oh my god. I mean, I don't know kids who would sit through this. No, it, it would be a good punishment. Like, don't you, don't you, you know, you better do your homework. I'm going to make you watch Joyful Noise. Oh, wow. Can you imagine? <laughs> don't you backtalk me or you're going to have to watch the James Woods movie again. No, not that. That might have scared me almost as much as Kukui. And if you're Mexican like me, Kukui was like the most scared <laughs> in the world growing up. You know what I mean? So, yeah, that might, that might do it. James Woods, ugh. Yeah, that's a, oh. that, he's a deterrent. We don't even need jail. Just you know, 
It's threat of James Woods. Listen, uh, if, he's not, if he's not in the new Candyman, I'm going to be disappointed. <laughs> yeah, uh, good segue. Um, yeah, speaking of scary things, uh, next week we're going to we're gonna watch Candyman. So the, now, the original the 1992 original. version. Yes. So with Tony Todd. So that's we're going to do the original. Then we're going to we're again going to do the two questionable sequels as one episode. So we don't have to suffer through them any more than we need to. And then and then hopefully if um, that I don't know, is that movie going to come out in theaters? Are theaters going to be open in three weeks? Oh, God. Ugh. I don't I mean, know. No, Even if no, they are, I wouldn't go. So. Yeah, I was gonna say I think they'll be open. I just don't know. Yeah, like there. I don't know. Maybe uh, here. This is. I mean, I think I said this about the Green Knight. I was able to go in and see it in a completely empty theater. Um, uh, like I don't know. Maybe that's the only way to like safely view Candyman. But then I kind of feel bad. Like I want this Jordan Peele movie to do well. So I don't know. Uh, oh well. It doesn't It'll... say it doesn't say anything about streaming it. Yeah, we'll see. Maybe they'll maybe they'll push it off. It it actually might be advantageous for them to be like, hey, what were we thinking? This is gonna come this should come out in October. This always should have come out in October, right? Yeah. Like figure yeah. out some streaming deal. They think yeah. that the only reason the only way they might do it is I guess Universal has a deal with Peacock. Is that true? Uh, yes, Universal does own Peacock, so... So they but, think that, that would be the only way they'd get a streaming setup, is they would do it with... Yeah. Peacock. They've yet to broach that, and I wonder if they would. Um, but, I mean, they... They put... They put Fast 9 out there, like... Pretty quick after its original release date. It was out, like six seven weeks after after it hit theaters so so maybe i don't know maybe maybe that's what they'll do they'll just they'll they'll have a quote-unquote theatrical release but they don't expect anyone to go see it and they expect everyone will go watch it on peacock right before halloween and maybe they'll they'll take the theatrical release as a loss leader for people to go watch it on their streaming service uh which i think would suck for everyone involved with the movie who like uh, whose paycheck is tied to how well it does at the box office which is probably the director the the producers maybe some of the stars didn't jordan peele produce it he did and so, he's not too worried about his paycheck well i mean he should be though like I mean, we should get that man paid. I mean, everybody should be paid fairly for, for what, right? I mean, yeah. I don't care. I don't care who you are, but yeah, I would prefer to see it in the theater. You, you, movies like that are always better, right? Like, and that, I don't know. You, you want to see that movie in a theater. You want to see that movie in a theater where everybody's yelling at the screen, and like. And is getting hella scared with it. Like, I want to see every Jordan Peele movie in a theater. I mean, let's be honest. Those, yeah. That's a person who knows how to make movies built for the theater. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, I don't know. I guess we'll. I guess we'll see what happens to Candyman. But 
we are proceeding as if Candyman is still getting released in three right. weeks. I don't know. I guess we'll see. Um, fingers crossed, or maybe, maybe everyone can actually go get vaccinated, and uh, we can. No. You ask so much of people to act rationally and sanely. I guess to do the bare minimum. Uh. I acted sanely and rationally six months ago when I got my vaccine, and now they're telling me it's wearing off. Right. Same. So, so I'm like, well, where's my booster? Because I did the right thing, and now I'm unprotected, and all these yahoos are going to get me sick now. Which uh, which one did you get? Moderna. Wait, no, I thought I thought the Moderna was still showing. Like... Moderna was like 90%, I thought. And yeah, yeah, but it's, was 85. it's... Well, not against... Delta though against the grandfather one or something, but they mm. say it, it does after six months start to wane. And I'm approaching my six month mark this month, and I'm like, okay, now the rest of you have to do your part because I did mine, and now y'all have to help me out until I can get a booster, you know. But nobody, yeah. they're not gonna do it. Hmm. Yeah, it's I don't know. Shoot. Yeah, I I don't know. I was I was reading some encouraging things about Moderna having like uh, some still pretty high efficacy, um, even without a booster. But I don't know. Um, well, I, and I think the thing from what I remember is, you know, you're still at eighty something percent. Yeah. 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 It's but you're it's, at ninety eight percent of preventing hospitalization. Yeah, but so, that's it. Still, yeah. I I still would like for people to do the you know i protect i've helped protect you all this time not that it mattered but you know right. you gotta yeah. help the rest of us out now it's your turn right wouldn't that be nice yeah um i would certainly like that um and they yeah. make really cool looking masks i don't get it i have some super cool looking masks okay. I have one that looks like uh what's his name from mad max fury road no way yeah so, it's still i just love my captain america one too much that's, that's the cool. one that get i just wear all the time yeah i so. mean i have one that looks like an even bigger mustache than i have so, <laughs> it's great you can do all kinds of things the ones that the shot putter wore like the joker mask and stuff during the oh, olympics yeah. i mean that's just gold yeah so okay well Everybody, wash your hands, stay safe, get vaccinated. Watch tell the your squad. Tell your friends who are not vaccinated to please get vaccinated. And um, then hopefully we can all go to the movies again soon. Well, I'm, um, I'm going to go to see Free Guy regardless because I can't wait for that movie. I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to try to find a way to get into an empty theater with, with kiddos. See I think you'll be can... fine if Suicide Squad only made twenty million dollars. I think you're you're in the clear. Yeah. We'll so see. fingers crossed. All right. Uh, okay. un until next week, then. Make some joyful noises, y'all, or don't. <laughs> that was so disheartening. <laughs> yeah, or don't. I don't uh, know. Bye. Uh... <laughs> Big kiss, everybody. Straight, straight talk wireless. Don't <laughs> Thank you, that will be all. God damn it, that's not all.
Because if one of those things gets down here, then that will be all. Then all this, this bullshit that you think is so important, you can just kiss all that goodbye. This show is part of the Geek Nerd Network. Geek Nerd Network. Find more shows like it at geeknerdnetwork.com. This is Jen.